most popular sign in Reno right now, right? With 100, what is it, 13,585 uh, jobs available on Indeed.com within a 25-mile radius of here. It's maybe only second uh, to the other popular sign, and that's uh, lane merges, right? <laughs> maybe that's the most popular one uh, right now. Uh, but uh, yeah, there is tons of talk about labor force right now, and being Labor Day weekend, it's it's valuable, like I said at the introduction, for us to consider what does the Bible have to say about work? And so the question, uh, the question that we want to answer today or consider today is this. What are you working for? What are you working for? Uh, that, that seems to be the question that was also uh, around, um, that, that also was happening in the city of Colossae. Uh, that, that there was a lot of questions about what was going on. And, and maybe, maybe if you're sitting here right now and you're already retired, you're thinking, you know what, I can tune out for the rest of the service because I'm not, I'm not working, right? Um, or maybe if you're a student or you're unemployed, you can say that too. Uh, I'm not working, so this sermon isn't going to apply uh, to me. And yet the truth is, even if you're not getting paid to work, you are working. Uh, work is part of life. From the very beginning, it's always been a part of life. You go back to paradise, what were Adam and Eve doing? They were working. And you may not be working at a paying job, but you are working maybe as a parent, you are working as a child, you are working as a student, you're working as a citizen, you're working as a grandparent, you're maybe working as a church member or as a, as a citizen. You are working in some way, shape, or form. So this question does apply to you no matter uh, what your situation in life is. What are you working for? And like I said, that is the same question that was really being rumbling, rumbling around in the city of, of Colossae. Colossae is this town that is in the Middle East, uh, modern Turkey. And, and, and it must have been something that was really on the, the hearts of these people's minds. Uh, because Paul talks about all the different roles that, that they could have been working in. In a, whether it's at the job or whether it's at home. Hey, how are you working as a spouse? How are you working as a child? How are you working as an employee or employer? And, but then what Paul does, as they're wondering about this whole question, instead of ans, ask, having them ask, what are you working for? He says, how about you rather consider who? Who are you working for? And I know grammarians out there, English teachers out there, that is not grammatically correct, right? It should be, for whom are you working? But that doesn't sound as nice. So, so we're going so to let this question stand. Who are you working for? That's the question I would really ask us to wrestle with tonight, very personally. You know, instead of saying, who are you working for? Each of us asks, who am I working for? And, and yeah, we could fast forward, and you know the answer. The answer is going to be Jesus, all right? Spoiler alert. But maybe really wrestle with that. Am, am I working for Jesus? Or instead of saying, am I working for Jesus, maybe today we, as we figure out who we're working for, is it why? Why would I want to work for Jesus? So yeah, who am I working for? The who, when you really think about it, 
is more significant than what when it comes to work. If you ever worked for a good boss versus a bad boss, you know how significant who can be when it comes to work. Or, you know, you could say the same thing in school. A student will maybe put more effort in for a teacher they, they respect and appreciate versus one that they don't. Who makes a huge difference? Same thing with athletes and coaches, right? Who is always significant? And that's, that's what Paul is really getting the Colossians and us to think about today, the significance of who we are working for. And he, he tells us very bluntly, again, it's, it's, no spoiler, it's a, no spoiler alert here. It's no big deal, no surprise. But listen to what he says. And this is, you have this uh, passage in your, your folder as well. But it's, it's Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. The Lord Christ you are serving. It sounds so simple. It sounds simple to say, yeah, I'm working for the Lord. The problem, the problem is we often forget that. We forget either that we're working for the Lord or we just forget how significant the Lord is in our life and why we should work for Him. And, and that, honestly, that is when the frustrations come in. Uh, that is when uh, the, the, the fatigue comes in. You see, the Colossians were struggling with working for the Lord because they forgot they forgot either who Jesus was or, or they, they started to lower Jesus in their, in their eyes a little bit. Uh, there were a bunch of deceptive and, and hollow philosophies, as that's how Paul calls them, that were, were kind of mulling around Colossae. And, and these hollow and deceptive philosophies were attacking the person and the authority of Jesus, bringing him, not, he's not way up here, oh no, he's going to, he's going to be down here a little bit. And or if, if there weren't hollow and deceptive philosophies that were bringing Jesus down, there were other hollow and deceptive philosophies that were bringing G other things up, other spiritual things up. For example, they were bringing angels up to the level of Christ. Or there were some deceptive and hollow philosophies uh, going on in Colossae at that time where they were really giving an undue emphasis on, on, on physical things and on the, and on the physical body and, and, and just making sure your body is taken care of. Or there were also undue emphases on, on uh, following human laws, man-made laws. And, and you, you look at all those attacks, which, which really took their focus off of serving the Lord. It, I saw a lot of similarities to what's going on in our culture today. The person and authority of Christ being undermined in so many ways. Or if, if it's not attacking the person of Christ, you, you look at how many philosophies of the world today are, are raising up other spiritual things to the level of Christ. Or how there's maybe an undue emphasis on things like self-image and, and, and taking care of our bodies. Or when it comes to an emphasis on, on, on human laws, I mean, what are the, the two main things that are in the news? Mask mandates and evacuation orders. And this is no comment on either one of those things, but, but you can see that, you know, so much of our emphasis is on the things of this world and who's making the things of this world that it can easily lead us to forget 
Who are we serving? Ultimately, who are we serving? And when we forget that, like I said, that's, that's when the frustration sets in. That's when the fatigue sets in. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, you can be a citizen following a, 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 an order from, from the government, but if, if I forget who I'm ultimately serving, well, that, that's when fatigue is going to set in. Or I can be carrying out a directive from my boss, but when I forget that who I'm ultimately serving, that's when frustration is going to get in. I mean, that even happens at church. You know, here at church, we should think, man, of all places, this should be where it's always so clear who we're serving, right? And yet what happens? People get frustrated serving at church. You know, you maybe put in all these volunteer hours for some event, and then nobody shows up, and you get angry. Or you get upset. Oh, I wasted all this time. Or you, you know, you, 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 you shoot an, an outreach idea my way, and it sits in my inbox, and I don't even acknowledge it, maybe. Or, or you know, you, you show up for a work day, and it's the same 20% doing the 80% 80, 80 of the work, and you get frustrated, and it, it really leads me to answer, well, then, who were we working for? Maybe we are working for ourselves. You know, where I, I wanted the pat on the back. I wanted the recognition. I wanted my name in the bulletin. I wanted my picture working on Facebook so that I could show all my friends, look at what I'm doing. Or, or maybe we are working for our congregation. You know, that's a little bit more noble than, than working for ourselves. But it, I tell you, you know, and that's, that's awesome that we want to work for our congregation. But if you're only working, if you only volunteer because you, you, you're working for light of the valleys, guess what? You're going to be frustrated. You're not going to be fulfilled. And that's why Apostle Paul helps us. He, he, he redirects our eyes today and our focus to, to something bigger. As he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters not for human institutions. Since you know you'll receive your inheritance, it's the Lord Christ you are serving. Why is that so vital to know and to appreciate when it comes to our work? And here's where I'll kind of break out into Bible class mode, but there's really three things that I see as far as, as why it's so important to keep our, our mindset as as why to know that we're working, you can't read my handwriting anyway, um, but, but we're working for the Lord. One is that it really validates our whatevers. What do I mean by that? Validates our whatever. If you look again at this passage, so it starts off this way. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart whatever you do. You know, if, if you're working for human masters, whatever doesn't cut it. If you're working for human masters, you are constantly judged on my, what you bring to the table. Businesses will set your salary based on how much you contribute to the team. Uh, coaches will, uh, you know, your playing time will be affected by what you bring to the team. Uh, it's, it's all about how you compare to what anybody else does. 
And so that can become very mentally taxing and can take a, a whole lot, sap a whole lot of joy out of service because you are always wondering, well, what's going to be best for this? And what's going to get the most out of this? And what's going to get, you know, what's going to get me up the social ladder here? And what's going to get me a raise? And, and so you're, you're, you're working on all these things when you're working for human masters. But when you're working for the Lord, he values you, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. And so your whatever doesn't really matter. And, and so now all of a sudden, your service to the Lord, is, is, it can just be done freely. You can just serve for the sake of serving. Whatever, you know, whatever you do, do it for the Lord. I mean, just think about what that looks like now and, and how freeing that can be, that everything that you do can be an opportunity to praise God. You don't have to wonder, well, is he going to be pleased with this or pleased with this or pleased with this or pleased with this? If you, if you want to give piano lessons, guess what? That can be your whatever to do the Lord. And if you want to take piano lessons, that can be your whatever. Uh, to do for the Lord. If you want to make a dessert for a church function, guess what? You can do that for the Lord. If you want to eat dessert at a church function, you can do that for the Lord. That God says that, that whatever you do, it can be a way to serve Him. What an what a awesome plan that God has. When it comes to, to adding to our joy and, and, and really motivating us so that whatever you do, 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 work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord. And that's maybe the second point there. That not only does working for the Lord validate our whatever, validate whatever you know, our gift is for Him, but we can also are motivated and allowed to work from all our heart. Let's face it, working from the heart is not always easy. It can become tiring uh, to put effort into things, even things that we like. Right? You might like your job 100%, but no matter how much you like it, it's, it's not, you can't always put your whole heart and soul into it. It gets tiring. That's why we take vacations right? Or, you know, same thing with your roles. Maybe it's not a paying job, but maybe it's your role in a family, you know, and it's, and, and as much as you love, want to be a loving spouse, and as much as you want to be the, the, um, you know, the, the, the selfless parent, or as maybe as much as you want to be the obedient child who's always there for your, your aging parent, it can become tiring. We, can, we, we fail to always put our heart and our soul into such efforts. Why is that? You know, some have, have explained it this way. They said, maybe it's because one of two things. One, we either approach our work from what I'm going to call a concave perspective. All right? Concave is, is um, it's a half circle that goes in. All right? You can always remember concave looks like a cave. Um, but uh, so when you, when you work from a concave perspective, there you are, or, you're, or picture yourself like this. Where are, you, where are your eyes? Where are your focus? It's on me, right? And I see myself work. 
and I see myself give and give and give, and I see myself empty out, empty out, empty out, and all of a sudden I see, you know, all that energy and all that, that love that I want to give to other people, and I just see my heart getting emptier and emptier and emptier, and I, I start to think, oh, woe is me. And, I'm, and I feel tired, and I feel worn out, and I'm not so motivated anymore. And so then someone comes along and says, well, instead of, instead of working from a concave perspective, work from a convex perspective, all right? So now instead of going in, now I have this outward perspective where I'm looking at the people that I'm serving. And at first, you know what? That is very motivating. So I'm looking at all these people out here, and I'm looking at how what I'm doing is making a difference in their life. And I'm saying, yay, and, and we're cheering. You know, that's why people volunteer, and they just love going to soup kitchens. They love, you know, they love making people feel better. But, but what happens? Even if I am serving from a convex perspective, I look at this person and I realize, yeah, I'm making a difference, but I can't do everything for them. And I look at this person, I'm like, yeah, I made a difference, but I can't do everything for them. And I can't do everything from this person either. That there, There's always going to be you know, one more compliment that this person needs, or there's, there's one more, uh, you know, load of laundry that needs to be folded for that person, or there, you know, there's, there's one more need that, that I, I can't meet, either because they're so needy or because I don't have any more to give. And so this, too, leads me to be frustrated. I can't do it from all my heart, but when the Bible says... When the Bible says, work for the Lord, not for human masters. When instead of just working for, for these people, but I realize that I am working for Jesus. What happens? A, I'm not looking at myself because I'm not, I'm not concave. I'm, looking, I'm working for him. So I'm not seeing how empty I am. But as I work for him, I, I realize, you know what? He's not dependent on anything that I can give him. There's no pressure there. He's, he's sufficient. He's all sufficient in and of himself. In fact, that's what the whole book of Colossians is about. It's really that theme. If you were to read through the whole book of Colossians, you could just say, Jesus is the all-sufficient Savior. And when we realize that he is the all-sufficient Savior, then all of a sudden my service becomes sufficiently satisfying. Because I am just serving for the sake of serving's sake. That it's not, it's not about me because Jesus is fine all by himself, but he just allows me. And that allows me to pour out my heart. I can work without getting tired. I can work from all of our hearts. And then there's really a third point. Uh, that the Apostle Paul points out here as far as motivation and, and, and how we go about our work. He, he goes on to say then, he says, so work at it with all, or whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. You will receive an inheritance from the Lord. If you had to pick one word from that phrase, or, or words from that phrase that's most important, what would you say? Inheritance, right? That's a, that's a rich word. More ways than one, it's a rich word. 
Um, that's a beautiful word. Again, it puts the emphasis on my work that what I do, it's, it has nothing to matter to do what I do in order to have something come back to me. But rather, my working from the heart, my whatevers that I do from the heart, simply lead to, lead to an inheritance, the Bible says, that will never perish or spoil or fade. Uh, you know, the, whatever I do from the heart will simply lead to this, this wonderful gift that God has in store for me. Beautiful, beautiful motivation to, to work for the Lord. And yet, I would argue, I'd argue that maybe that's not the most important word, but rather this phrase, from the Lord. Why is that important? Well, just like I said before, what you do or what you work for is maybe, maybe isn't as important as who you work for. What you receive maybe isn't as important as who you receive it from. You know, again, I, I, I briefly mentioned it. The whole point of Colossians, the whole book of Colossians is just how awesome Jesus is, how he's so sufficient. He's all-sufficient. If, 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 you know, we're in chapter 3, these verses, but if you read chapter 1, Paul spends a whole lot of time talking about the supremacy of Jesus, that he's above and over all of creation. And then he gets into that beautiful passage that says, in Christ, all the deity lives in bodily form, and he's over every power, and he's over every dominion, and he, and he forgives your sins, and he cancels your debts, and he marches. It's one of the few places of Scripture that actually talks about Jesus marching into hell and making a public spectacle of, of, of Satan as he triumphs over him by the cross. He is the ultimate victor. You know, another way that, that people have summarized Colossians is that it is caps lock Jesus. And when we realize and we think about everything that Jesus is. I don't really care so much what my inheritance is. Because I know. You can know. It will be wonderful. Not because of what it is, but because of who it's from. Your inheritance. Your inheritance is from the Lord. And that, by God's grace, is who you are working for. Amen.